Welcome to episode 247 of the Outback Mind podcast. Appreciate all the wonderful feedback we've been getting uh, from the last few podcasts that we've done and over the last few years. So um, thanks so much for tuning in and uh, and staying uh, part of it. It's really important that we uh, continue to uh, raise awareness and education and conversations that uh, can really help people out there and I guess there's no better way of doing that through um, than, than doing it through lived experience and hearing people's stories and um, hearing what they've been through personally, but also you know what they may have experienced themselves uh, with family members or people in their lives, you know, with poor mental health. So today's guest, Tony McManus, um, uh, has been working in this space for quite a while, and uh, unfortunately, his brother Mick took his life a few years ago, and that sort of got Tony on the journey of. Uh, really trying to do more around prevention and, uh, and education and trying to support um, regional people uh, primarily in, in Victoria um, and southern parts of Australia to be able to develop uh, their mental health literacy and actually get a bit better at uh, doing life, you know. I really believe that um, we get our ourselves tied up in knots a lot of the time and that sort of leads to, uh, you know, uncertainty and doubt and uh, low self-worth and all those sorts of things that we get trapped in. So, we need to be able to support one another and raise awareness and create awareness. And, uh, you know, by doing that, we can create sustainable lives and vibrant communities. And that's our birthright at the end of the day. So uh, sure you're going to enjoy this chat. Um, uh, as I've mentioned, if you'd like to maybe look at uh, getting us to come into community and uh, do a screening of healing's men, healing men's minds, uh, it's been really well received up here and it creates um, you know, some deep conversation around um uh, mental health, but also, you know, um, the impact that poor mental health can have on individuals and families and workplaces and so forth. So, um, so yeah, please reach out uh, if you'd like to have a chat about that. Certainly, you're going to head down to Victoria at some point uh, to be able to do this more uh, and into other states. So, reach out to me at, uh, sorry, at support at outbackmind.org.au. More than happy to have a chat. Alrighty, appreciate your feedback in this conversation with Tony and uh, enjoy. G'day, Tony. Welcome. G'day, Aaron. Thanks for having me on board. It's a real privilege to uh, uh, chat to you again and uh, have a chance to share a few thoughts. Yeah, mate. It's important. The more uh, you know, the more info we can get out there, and the more awareness we can get out there, the better. And you've had, you know, um, you know, fifty odd years of lived experience that can be bloody uh, very helpful to the average person out there that maybe. Um, potentially looking for a bit of a hand or anyone in general to build their capacity. And I think that's one thing we don't do very well as humans. We've been sort of separated and we don't share, um, you know, our knowledge and our wisdom and that as much as we possibly, you know, should. So um, mm. so these podcasts are a bit of a, you know, a platform where people can, you know, get some education about people's own experiences and be able to hopefully take a positive approach to life moving forward. I think that's, uh, that's what we're going to start doing more of for sure. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think uh, what I particularly like about podcasts, like I, I live uh, about an hour from where I work most of the week, uh, so it's just the idea of time to overcome the boredom of driving and just get some good content. That's how I stumbled across you. Yeah, that's it, mate. That's the way it works, and uh, it's better than listening to the, the the radio that usually tries to sell you stuff. So, um, so I'm grateful we've got the opportunity to do it. But mate, um, tell us a bit about your own journey. Uh, where was? Uh, where was the young Tony brought up and, and how did life sort of evolve for you to, um, to get into workforce and, and, and so forth from there? Sure. Oh, well, you probably describe me as Geelong born, but Lara bred. Lara is a little town just north of Geelong. It kind of goes Geelong, 
Lara, Little River, Werribee, then Melbourne for people from across the country who haven't heard of Lara. Yeah. And um, spent most of my, my life in that township of Lara. Um, my parents uh, uh, were small business people who fundamentally worked uh, seven days a week in the, either their um, uh, corner store milk bar, mm. supermarket, and then eventually they um, evolved into real estate. Mm. Unreal, mate, mate. Well, the old milk bar, they, they did work hard back then, mate. They just do, uh, yeah, unbelievable hours, seven days, not complain, just get on, get on with it, which was pretty rare. You wouldn't see it much these days, I reckon. No, and I think that that rubbed off on me because being the oldest of five siblings, there was a bit of an uh, expectation of uh, succession planning from my parents. <laughs> I became the, uh, uh, I brought out my parents' real estate business and, uh, you know, I just got, I was seeing them working seven days a week, so to a degree, that become pretty normal for me. Mm. Now, mate, yeah, it's certainly something that we uh, we talk about a fair bit is looking after our mental health and burnout, but I reckon that's probably what happened, possibly? Uh, 100%. I think uh, I had been, I brought the business, and then um, eventually, um, or not eventually, about the time I purchased the business from my parents, I suggested that I should give my brother Mick a job. And I just ran with it. Um, you know, didn't give too much thought. But unfortunately, about 10 years after that, so that is, you know, I've been in uh, real estate for about 15 years by then, uh, or 20 years. And uh, unfortunately, Mick took his own life. So not only did I lose my brother, I also lost a, a, a key salesperson in my business. So mm. pretty well from that point in time, I lost interest in the business, didn't want to be there, but I was heavily committed financially, so I kind of had to stay in there. Yeah. And uh, it led to the uh, the decline of my own mental health. And then when I finally sold my business and uh, you know, tried to take a bit of time out, uh, it was about the same time that my wife decided she'd had enough. So mm. it was just a quite challenging. challenging. So at the age of 50, I was you know, kind of out of work, out of love and uh, took a significant hit financially, so it had to rebuild. But um, I've got to say, uh, 10 years later, uh, I might have half my assets, but I'm twice as happy. Yes, yeah, mate. We'll get into that a bit more in a minute, but, mate, um, what led to Mick's decision, do you think? Um, he didn't leave a note. Um, and back, you know, this is 2005, uh, we all kind of had more of an inclination of what may have been going on after the fact. So at his wake, it's like you know having a jigsaw puzzle and multiple people would just put their piece of the jigsaw puzzle down. And it kind of gave a, a reasonably clear picture that he wasn't right. Um, he had um, pre a previous attempt. And the main thing that came out in his after his passing was he hadn't been taking his medication. Uh, and uh, I think, um, you know, some other factors at the time, uh, he'd actually left working for me to start his own business, but that failed. And uh, I can't believe uh, how, uh, you know, I had a choice. Do I take him back when he wanted to come back and work with me or not? And because uh, uh, we'd kind of rebuilt the business without him. And it was a bit disruptive to have him back on deck, but unfortunately he came back, but then two weeks later was when he took his own life. So, mm. um, so yeah, I, I, it's hard to cover much more than um, uh, that because when you're working close with someone or, or living with someone, sometimes 
you don't realise how bad they are because they're, they're going down by degrees and increments, mm. whereas people who hadn't seen him for a while could see a clear difference, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Yeah, because it's, uh, it's just an observation that you, I wouldn't say you're taking for granted, but you just, uh, when you're in regular contact, you, you don't... Uh, you don't see things which um, you know may be abnormal, I guess. But yeah, you're right. For someone to uh, to certainly see a shift in someone is uh, is definitely alarming like that if they haven't seen them for a while. So um, yeah. So mate, I'm really sorry to hear about Mick and and, and that. And geez, you know, unfortunately, it's it's, it's been something which has impacted. Um, probably just about everyone um, you know in in Australian society today. I, I just mm-hmm. you know there there is some some challenging times and there is some challenging situations that people go through. Um, I, I you know I'd like to know the numbers of people that have taken their lives over the last twenty or thirty years and um, you know ask them the question if they were yeah. able to um, you know to, to make another choice would they have you know and um, it's something which uh, is still you know com- completely common today with. Um, with men, but um, yeah, I've seen so much evidence of people that have been in a dark place and been able to shift their way out of it. And I just think that's, that's what we've got to do is to be able to help guys learn how to shift gears and, and know if they're sort of feeling like that, you know, just to move through yeah. it and, and get some balance back. And you know, it's it's not as easy said as done and as done, but I just reckon that. Um, it's got to be more, more, um, you know, done about prevention and being able to help people, you know, to, to equip them to be able to be successful with life, you know, and uh, and live yep. a balanced life. Would you agree? Hundred percent. Yeah. Look, I, I would describe, um, you know, in terms of numbers, it's been a pretty consistent nine people per day across Australia, eighty um, percent males, and you know, even with all all the uh, the big budgets of. Um, that the, the government tips into the court, the mental health industry, uh, it's consistently not getting better. Mm. Uh, I, I think um, I would describe suicide as a permanent solution for a temporary problem. Mm. And, and the, the issue is whether the person who's struggling has the awareness to share that problem. You know, even recently, I was getting a bit worried about my finances. So you know, if I was advising me, I'd say, well, go and talk to your accountant in your bank. And that's exactly what I did. And um, the accountant said, you're not the only one. There's a lot of other people in your uh, situation at the moment, which, you know, kind of, you, you don't feel like the other one out. And the bank were fantastic. Uh, they, uh, it, it's through an investment property. And uh, the bank uh, uh, very readily gave me uh, a conversion of my principal and interest loan to interest only for three years. Mm. So problem solved. Whereas, you know, in the past, if I was struggling with finances, I would be dwelling on it, uh, and I, I probably would have left it to the last minute where it become a bit more desperate, and that's where, you know, I think you become potentially a suicidal because it's overwhelming and you can't see a solution, but generally speaking, most uh, things can be fixed. Yeah, mate, that, that's true. Um, certainly that that is the trap, you know. I, I think the financial um, aspect of life is where a lot of people get stuck and this is where I believe the importance of doing things to balance that out is key to be able to do volunteering or do whatever it is so you can actually see that when you give, you get so much back. When you sit back and, and, yeah. you, and you receive all the time and, you know, you take things for granted more, it's not anywhere near as what we're, you know, what we're capable of and, and the balance we're able to achieve within ourselves. And 
I, I just think, yeah, we, we've be, become um, we've, we've become dependent, but we actually like you know, lay a lot of that dependence on ourselves by overcommitting and those yeah. sorts of things. And yeah, it's it's a bloody a tough thing, um, you know, life. But if we can actually like you know reduce our expectations a little bit and not put ourselves at too much risk, it can probably have a tremendous effect on our mental health. Yeah, well, we're going down the path there of preventative maintenance. And, um, you know, it's like a car. Um, you maintain your car, you're going to get a few more Ks over it. Um, and I use this phrase, the best exercise that you can do is to help someone else who is down to get up. Yep. So that, that's my call to action, to encourage people to go down to that path that you mentioned of volunteering. And it's a two-way thing. You're helping someone who's on the receiving end of whatever you're involved in. But it comes back to you in spades in terms of a boost to your self-esteem. So uh, I'm a big rap for that. If you could probably identify identify my niche in mental health stuff is tackling the issue of isolation, loneliness and disconnection Mm. with the solution of social connection, particularly through volunteering and and, uh, mentoring. Mm, Yeah, mate. It's important, absolutely, and um, yeah, you know, certainly uh, it's the fabric of, of communities, uh, you know, you see people doing this sort of stuff and they're, they're, they're just engaged, they're pleasant, they're not wandering all over the place and thinking about the past or the future as much, they're actually pretty mm. pretty content and and yeah, you know, I believe, mate, um, that's something that we've got to probably get, uh, get better at and the way it was done in the old days is certainly... Um, a lot different now, you know, but um, I just think if there's some small one percenters that you can do as an individual to be able to help, you know, give back, uh, I think yep. it's really, really key. But, mate, unfortunately, society's done a great job of trying to keep us spending and, um, you know, and mm. uh, and the the marketing and that that's gone on behind that is um, is playing a big role in mental health, um, you know, poor mental health outcomes, I believe. So it's being able to be aware to, you know, that you need to disconnect from this sort of stuff and you need to be able to, you know, say no to things and uh, be, uh, be conscious of, uh, of your decisions uh, that may potentially lead to consequences. And um, I just mm-hmm. reckon, um, yeah, the more awareness we can sort of give around that, uh, the better mental health outcomes we're going to have in society. Yeah, no, I'm uh, thinking from the same song sheet there. Mm, yeah, it's an interesting one. But, um, mate, uh, I'd like to know a bit more about, you know, what really inspired you to get into doing sort of mental health prevention work. Was it what happened with Mick or were you sort of already curious about this beforehand? Oh, definitely. Um, Mick's um, passing was the um, critical thing. It was at Mick's wedding that his wife suggested that we should support organisations like Beyond Blue. So I took that on board and uh, did their research about what Beyond Blue is all about and it's increased awareness and reduced stigma. And uh, then I was also lucky enough, um, at the time of his passing, I was in the care of a GP and a psychologist for my own issues because I had this incredible sense of guilt with him passing. You know, what could I have done? What should I have done? And what did I miss? And, And the psychologist advised me, don't hold myself accountable in any way, shape or form. So that took all our weight off my shoulders. Mm-hmm. So so with that kind of guilt thing in the you know, in the background uh, and the inspiration from his uh, widow, Jenny, to um, uh, help Beyond Blue, I thought I'd go and have a chat to a guy called Frank Costa, yep. who was the chairman of the Geelong Football Club. And uh, I've been involved in charity work with him previously. I proposed to Frank, why don't we get Geelong to play against another team in an AFL Beyond Blue Cup? 
Frank was all over it. And uh, we picked on Hawthorne as the other team because Jeff Kennett was a chair of Hawthorne, chair of Beyond Blue. So it was through kind of getting that up and running and then being, um, uh, doing a bit of public speaking around that, that it kind of showed me the power of um, uh, uh, using vehicles like the AFL to uh, Beyond Blue Cup to promote awareness, but also simple storytelling. And when we had the first Beyond Blue Cup in Geelong, there was a community forum, 350 people turned up and uh, you'd probably come across Wayne Schwartz, who yep. now runs Pucker Up. It, it, it was the first time back in 2006 that Swatter ever shared his own story. Mm. And uh, the old uh, Gary McDonald, a.k.a. Norman Gustin, he, he was another ambassador from Beyond Blue. They spoke. And after hearing from people like uh, those two guys and Jeff Kennett, I couldn't believe how the Q&A session at the end became a storytelling, story-sharing session. And I'll never forget one lady who was brave enough to stand up in front of this crowd and talk about how she'd had electric shock treatment. I thought, wow, you know, totally. So I kind of identified that personal storytelling is a great way of engaging people. Yes. And, um, uh, you know, even last, in last week, so the local newspaper ran a story about a guy I helped in the construction in the construction industry. And they, they did a two-page spread about him uh, on a an issue about um, mental health in construction. And it was just amazing how he uh, got up and, well, if you go back a few years, I did a presentation to his workplace and I went back the year after. And before I had a chance to talk again, he asked to uh, address all his workmates. So you know, it's a construction company. So he stood up in front of a hundred guys and said, look, since Tony was here last year and mentioned that sleeping is a red flag for mental health, that led to him to go and talk to his doctor and, and go and uh, get the foot in the door of treatment, try different medication, got involved in counselling. And all that unpacked is that he'd been molested as a kid and had some quite traumatic PTSD issues in uh, recent years through his volunteer work with the, the SES, but he hadn't been sleeping properly for 30 years. So... Mm. Uh, the point about that story is, is that people like this guy become go-to people within the workplace after they've been inspired by hearing people like me and you go out and encourage sharing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, mate, I see it all the time. I saw it on Thursday when I was out of the site. Um, yeah, same thing. Oh, I just need more employees to engage and do more of it because, yeah, the exactly. the, um, the conversations that come from it are, you know, life-changing and it's amazing what comes out when you can share your own story but also people can uh, can, can see themselves in that. I think it's critically important. But, yeah, but yeah you know, um, that that's right, that personal storytelling and that's something which I found incredibly hard, hard to do because of fear of what people thought about me and shame and mm. all that. But... Yeah, none of that stuff that I took on was my fault, and you know yeah. none of that stuff that that guy took on that bloody um, you know molesting as a young fellow was his fault, you know. But he had to carry mm. that burden for so long, and yeah. you know what it's like to be able to keep that to yourself and not speak about it. It's it's really damaging. So um, so that's tremendous, that's right. mate, that you had that ability to be able to do that, and um, yeah, you know I don't think it's going to to, to get better as far as. You know, presentations are concerned because young people these days are coming through with busy minds, 
And, mm. um, you know, for, for me personally, to be able to help them learn how to settle that is going to lead to better mental health outcomes. But, but you know, it's something we've got to really focus on uh, more and more in our communities to be able to have good mental health as an integral part of everyday life. Just, um, mm. just not accepting poor mental health outcomes and, and really... You know, I am I am judgmental of the, the you know the clinical system about diagnosing people and um, and and medicating them when it's usually an imbalance or it's a circumstance which is leading to that and maybe addressing yeah. that. So you were fortunate you had a good GP that could um, could give you that guidance or that that particular individual had a good GP that could give him that in, that guidance. But you know, quite often mm. it doesn't happen. And yeah, it's just usually um, usually an issue which is in your environment that might be knocking you out mm. of whack, or it could be you know a past experience that's knocking you out of whack, which is pretty common with blokes. And mm. you know, just just to be curious, I think is really key. You know, just just figure out what it is that's knocking you, um, you know, from being in centre, and then get back, you know, in charge of your life again. I think that's that's mm. our job is to try and empower people rather than disempower people. Yeah. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, there, there's, I come across a lot of on-the-ground uh, startup stuff in this mental health space that are really impressive. Uh, one of the guys I came across on the surf coast of Victoria around Torquay, uh, Ocean Grove, was Scott Andrews. He's, um, he's got a, 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 he calls himself a travelling alchemist, but he came up with his concept, Man Up, Man Down, where he put together a book with 50 portraits of 50 different guys talking about their problem mm. but also their solution to mental health. Mm. And so, you know, what a great coffee table book that is. And um, uh, and he's done it in a really arty way of um, the old cameras from the um, you know, 1800s where they look, you, your photo turns out to be looking like a wanted poster from uh, <laughs> the Wild West. But it it's just really captures the, the person. But... You know, for, for people that have access to 50 different stories from 50 different guys mm. and 50 different solutions is powerful. And then, you now a lot of the solutions in, in my space of um, social connection can be fun. You know, like another project I got involved in was a guy uh, called Craig Wetchen who did a, uh, he's a photographer. So he did a great book called Men in Their Sheds and, or Men Shed Photography. And you see these fantastic um, man caves, you can call them, and you know, they tend not to be in isolation. They share them with their mates. And so you get that social connection through common interests. Yep. Yep, I agree, mate. That's, that, that's yeah, it's well said. And, um, yeah, you know, one, one trap like with that is we have what's called one-upmanship. And, and guys try out do each other and that sort of thing. And sometimes it can get a bit addictive and you start to become attached to that. And then, um, yeah. and then all of a sudden that can lead you to, uh, to feeling, you know, a, a bit low on that too. So mm. as long as it's done in jest and you're, uh, sorry, not in jest, but like it's done, you know, in good favour and you're, you're aware of how it's making you feel and, you know, know if, mm. it, uh, if it does knock you out of whack, how to get yourself back on track again. And, um, yeah. Um, yeah, that's one of the, the big issues we have as guys too is this, um, this comparison buddy trap, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I do miss having my own shed and <laughs> my own space like mm. that too, mate. Trust me. But, uh, yeah, no, I agree, mate. It's good that that, that's, that sort of stuff's going yeah, on. Yeah, but you're building yours now. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a bit different. Magnificent mural I saw the other day. <laughs> it'll be a bit different that one. It won't be just for me. So, uh, mm. so yeah, it'll be good, mate. But uh, yeah, I just think um, 
Yeah, I often talk about it. Um, you know, the intergenerational stuff we're taking on, and uh, and and the, the the emotional awareness that we have is probably um, you know sort of been born from our dads and our granddads and that, which have gone back way you know way beyond. But um, mm-hmm. life's changed a lot now, and we just need to be able to you know equip ourselves with uh, with the ability to uh, to stay stable as much as possible. Um, yeah, I think it's really key, and. Um, yeah, whatever's doing that makes you feel grounded and happy, I think is important, mate. But I'm really curious to know, like, what happened to you when you fell out of love and out of work too, you know? What what did life look for you then? What like for you then? Uh, well, I, well, unfortunately, um, I went through a, a pretty uh, tough arm wrestle with my ex that I might have been unnecessary because the kids were not young and they were old and... And uh, it took two years to resolve that. And I just found I couldn't work while I was going through that massive aggravation and frustration of trying to um, uh, uh, resolve uh, the property settlement, which, you know, happened eventually. And so at that period of time, uh, work-wise, I'd struggled a bit. I I was cashed up a bit because, you know, when you have to sell everything, you end up with a bit in the bank. And uh, so I was all right for a few years, but then I kind of noticed over time that I was starting to, um, uh, my outgoings were uh, greater than my ingoings for, for a, by a country mile. So mm. I had to start working again. And uh, work-wise, um, I've, uh, I was getting the odd speaking gig uh, in mental health, but that was a bit, a bit here, a bit there, not consistent. So I feel quite grateful that I ended up with a job at a mob called the Geelong Community Foundation which is an organisation that uh, people donate money to and that's invested. And the interest in the dividends off the investment is shared around charities in the Grage Long area. Mm. And um, so we've had a pretty good couple of years, even though we've had the pandemic and, and you know, a tough economy, in four years we've tripled our donations in from uh, 600000 a year to $2 million. And... Um, and that's meant that our corpus of managed funds has grown from about $26 million up to $33 million. Mm. So it's a sustainable, ongoing charity. So there's a lot of fulfilment in being involved in that kind of organisation. But um, personally, um, after I got my marching orders, there was no third party. Uh, I kind of felt a fairly high sense of relief because the relationship hadn't been good for a fair period of time. We were both unhappy, so I give my ex credit for you know, pulling the trigger on it. But um, as soon as she did that, I thought, wow, you know, I'm going to go see what's out there. And uh, I got onto the uh, dating apps and um, I um, tried a few um, different ladies who I met and engaged with. And, and uh, the third one, I thought, she's a keeper because um, the first year I met her, I actually ran for parliament in Geelong. I wasn't very, thinking very straight because I, I ran in a, liber, a, a safe Labor seat as a Liberal candidate. So um, that was um, a bit of a bash to the self-esteem where 70% of the people in the area decide they don't particularly want to vote for you. <laughs> and uh, But the big outtake from that um, election campaign in 2014 was uh, my beautiful wife, Catherine. I, uh, she, I'd only known her for a few months and she was door-knocking around some quite low socioeconomic areas uh, you know, promoting me as a candidate. So, you know, a lot of my mates at the time said, I think she's a keeper. Mm. So, um, so we're, um, that's 2014, and um, 
we moved in together uh, uh, in about 2018. Uh, 2014 to 18, I was living in St Kilda, just experiencing the lifestyle there and, and catching up at home weekends. And uh, then uh, December last year, we tied the knot, mate. So uh, 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 had a beautiful wedding down at Bowen Head. Mate, isn't it incredible how life can change for you and how, you know, if you get out of the way sometimes that things can just evolve for you and uh, things present when they need to. But, yeah, mate, um, I just reckon, um, you know, you said before that you are, you're happier now with less. What's that look like for you? Well, essentially, you know, you, you do give away, um, you know, half your assets and, you know, it's also a big function of the new partner where um, she might be a bit, oh, I won't say might be, she is more grounded and uh, I don't want to say too much negative about my ex, but probably less maintenance and, uh, you know, you don't have to go to Paris for holidays, so you can go up the Gold Coast. And uh, yeah. uh, so, you know, there's less pressure to, um, well, we're just on the same page with our needs. So... Uh, and simple life works. Um, we've got grandkids starting to uh, come through, and um, uh, one of my girls is getting married next year. So we're in a reasonably good space. So we're not flush with funds, but we're comfortable and you know, just grateful for ha- having the basics. Yeah, that's right. That's true because, yeah, we seem to keep chasing all the time. And everyone knows the story of a guy that keeps chasing and he retires and he doesn't last two or three months, you know, and, um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think what you're doing now, cause you've got purpose is really important. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you, you're connected with something which is making a difference and, and that's, that's where we've got to start to get to, you know, that's, that's really a de- definition of success. So I think the, uh, the other side of the assets and, uh, you know, the, the trips to Paris and the bloody, um, the big house and that can be an illusion as well yep. and we become attached to that lifestyle and that can really cause us suffering but if you can learn to let go and and just uh, be grateful for the simple things then i think you know that's what we're meant to be doing and that's when life can really take care of uh, care of you mm. i think it's also a function of your age like i've just turned 60 so you know I, and we've got no kids at home so a smaller house is fine yeah and um you know, we, we did build a man cave recently that will become a fourth bedroom for <laughs> kids or visitors coming around and um so yeah you know, th- that's a part of it too the stage of life you're at so yeah um i'm really uh excited and 100 comfortable with uh uh heading down you know my twilight years but you know i'm looking forward to the confidence now where when i was 50 or even before, you know, we split when I was 50, in, in my mid to late 40s, you know, I was suicidal. Mm. Uh, I, I thought I'm going to be lucky to get to 50, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think that way now in any way, shape or form because um, the ongoing issues are gone. And it wasn't just the relationship. It's probably being in real estate and being burnt out from that, but realising that was not my calling and, and probably what I'm doing now is more my calling. Yeah, yeah, I agree, mate. Yeah, it's giving you, yeah, connection and and purpose and, and you know, you're making changes. You're not just doing transactions. I think that's really, uh, mm. really you know, a, a cool thing to remember. Mate, um, where do you think mental health's heading in, uh, in Australia? I'm pretty concerned that uh, you have your big organisations, you know, like your Beyond Blues where, they have the benefit of bypass and support with massive budgets, 
last time I looked, I think they were on a hundred million a year, three hundred staff. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, think the problem with that is that if it's bipartisan support, both parties tick it off and put a lot in. They think they've solved the problem. Yeah. Whereas with limited budgets, I think again, you know, you'd like to see uh, the outback mine receive a few more bob and. Um, my my organisation is just not registered as a charity. I just kind of do it as a, a side gig because you know I think it's important to do. But I, I, there's lots of other organisations that you know it's they're kind of gig and they're underfunded and they're doing great work. So I'd like to see more resources divert to on the ground resources. Um, one of the other organisations I come across, um, you wouldn't believe how much money they're spending on research, 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 research mm. at the at the expense, or at the same time that there's massive waiting lists for access to um, uh, support. You know, things like um, uh, acute mental health beds, for instance. I think in Geelong there's only two or three, or, or something silly like that. We mm. probably need a dozen. Yeah. And um, so um, yeah, I, I can't say I'm feeling optimistic about how it's going. Um, mm. Financially, Victoria is a bit of a basket case in terms of um, government services being cut back left, right and centre. Mm. So uh, it puts more pressure on um, uh, local charities and community groups to um, uh, keep working at the coalface. It's getting bigger and bigger. Yes. Yeah, mate, it's important. You know, I, you know without being too, um, you know, uh, judgmental again, but... Yeah, you're right. The the grassroots stuff where we're making a difference and we're we're on the coal at the coalface having conversations, doing the things is 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 working well. It's great. Um, and you know I see Movember still getting around. The big corporates are pushing it, but that money doesn't stay in the regional communities. It doesn't stay out here and and make a difference. You know, so I just can't see the point of this smoke and mirrors mentality when it comes to mental health by saying you're doing something, but then you're not getting anything in return. Um, yeah, look, I think there's a bit of a phrase uh, at local Geelong charity uses called Give Where You Live, and I think that's a bit of a solution to the problem. Mm. Uh, Movember is a great organisation, but a fair chunk of that you know, goes around the world, so you know, good luck yeah. to them for that. But, um, you know, I, I think it probably goes down that point I made about research. There's a cut, always looking cutting-edge research, whereas my argument would be, Let's deal with the best, best research we've got now about mental health and, and uh, implement it. Um, yeah, just a, a bit of an observation there. Yeah, mate, no, that's true. It's, it's very wise and, uh, and very uh, understandable and achievable. I, I think, mate, the biggest issue we have is trying to, to reconnect people. People, humans are... You know, we're, we're bred for connection. We're, we're bred for, you know, collaboration and, and sharing and doing all those sorts of things. And we're not, we're not, we don't enjoy separation. You know, we don't enjoy separation and um, it's not a great way for a human to be. And so mm. we've got to start to really, you know, drop our guard a little bit when it comes to, um, you know, just being being uh, going through life solo uh, and and trying to you know have these boundaries around us which you know are important but we've got to be able to open our hearts more and and be able to yep. connect connect better and um, it's it's an art which has been lost over a few generations I think and um, if we want to get better at our mental health I think we've got to start to do the, the little one percenters that I mentioned which can really help us make a difference and if you can 
write yourself out, out a plan and what you want to try and achieve between you know now and the end of the year and into next year and that sort of thing uh, can probably help you um, you know have some guidance to where you know you can improve your own well-being and, and here I am saying yeah. that and I, I don't do that myself but it's something that I really need to be able to to, to, to look at to be able to have some um, some some guides uh, to be able to, to steer you in the right direction and um, yeah I just think yeah what we've what we've discussed with regards to the be able, the ability to be able to support others and, and do others to give back I think is really key and important and um, the more of that um, uh, we do we, we empower ourselves and we, we're not disempowered as much you know and I think yeah. you know, also too, life can be going great for you and you can get a kick in the guts and it can really steer you downhill. So having the support around you to be able to communicate with people, I think when that happens, it's really key rather than, than isolating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what, yeah. that's what guys are really good at. <laughs> you know, just shutting down. And, and you know, I, mm-hmm. I, was, I was one of them too. I, I certainly get it when something went wrong. You just bottle it up and, you know, you didn't talk about it. And um, it still happens, you know a lot now so uh, that's something we're yeah. going to try and change that's why uh, the men's circles we do are good because it's actually helping guys feel safe and and they can yeah. be vulnerable and uh yeah those sorts of collaborations and connections are key and you think about australia we've sort of been um you know designed to to to, to communicate around alcohol too and um, mm. you know it's nice sometimes but it's what if it's what you're doing and you're not going deep with how you're feeling um um, it's uh, it's going to potentially you know creep up on you at some point in time. Yeah, well, um, uh, uh, drug abuse on top of the alcohol too. Um, it's interesting. Uh, one day a week, I'm on construction sites doing mental health support for tradies, mm. and uh, initially the gig was supposed to be just do a toolbox talk on the six construction sites of this fairly sizable company. But then after I did those toolbox talks, they said, "Can you come back once a month?" So mm. I had the capacity because I was. You know, working part-time so uh, the guys have got to know me and i'll get feedback that oh we don't trust hr yeah. uh we know there's an eap but we don't want to talk to a stranger but yeah. they really like the idea of someone who turns up once a month on site to either talk about uh, uh you know anything or, or just go down the path of preventive maintenance stuff yeah uh, and the big tip i share there is uh, have a bucket list and share that with your workmates and your family and uh, it's proved to be uh, really good. And, and partly what I offer uh, for those guys too, if the, if, the sh- if the proverbial's hitting the fan, don't wait until I'm there next month, just give me a call any time. And, yep. um, you know, it's better than waiting six, six months for a psychologist appointment or something like that. That's right. And, and you hit on something really important there, and that's that pre-EAP stuff, and that's what employers got to get better at, you know. So, mm-hmm. so that, that uh, consistency I think is really important for you being there. Um, yeah. You know, and being part of the, the culture there and understanding the culture, I think, is really key. Um, yeah. yeah, and that's that's really what we've got to start to um, to focus on because it works, you know. There's no point just going about your business and your job and something going wrong and here's the phone number to call if you're, if you're struggling, you know. I think if we can actually yeah. provide that prevention and that... Uh, that that solid person that comes in that can uh, that can help you with this sort of stuff. It just it just helps you stay not so much on your toes, but your your awareness stays at a higher level. I reckon for sure. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the guys. Um, I, I, some sites I've got what I call my spotters, where you know one site there's a guy who's a former psychiatric care nurse, so he's all over you know red flags and that kind of stuff. And I might turn up in that site and he'll say, "You better go have a chat to Joe or Fred because uh, he's going through a marriage breakup." So. 
it's that you know early intervention stuff rather than waiting until it hits the fan later down the track. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Couldn't have, couldn't have explained it any better, and, and that's important. So, mate, I'm really grateful for the chat. I'm sure we're going to have plenty more. How can people get hold of you if they want to reach out to you, particularly in Victoria, about maybe helping them out with with some some stuff at work or whatever it might yeah. be. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a Facebook page called Connect the Number Two Grow, where I give examples of volunteering and helping others. Um, if you Google my name, uh, you've got to put Tony McManus Mental Health or Depression, because if you just leave Tony McManus, you get an Irish folk singer. So um, <laughs> he, he's not going to help you out. And uh, yeah, just a good Google, you know, my name, throw in the keyword mental health or depression, and uh, that'll track me down. And I might email you a, a list of um, groups and resources that I recently presented to a group of farmers up around Sea Lake. Yep. Um, that maybe get in your, your um, episode notes and uh, uh, people will be uh, able to download that. It's got links to uh, uh, some potential solutions. Yeah, it's my old backyard, so I, I know it pretty well uh, up mm-hmm. there and uh, they need all the help they can get those guys, that's for sure. So. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it, mate. Thank you so much for the chat. And, uh, yeah, anyone listening, please reach out to Tony and, um, yeah, and get him to give you a hand if you need it. And uh, if you're an employer, you know, reach out to Tony and Victoria and see if he can help you out because uh, the prevention stuff is uh, is definitely worth the investment for sure. And uh, the more that we're doing, the better outcomes we're going to create for our community. So really appreciate it, mate. Thanks, Aaron. All the best to you and uh, all your uh, listeners. Cheers.